Yo, man, well, Miss Rusty. Hello, everybody. It's Tuesday morning. There's no more smoke alarms going off in the house. This place was not on fire, but I had someone testing in here. So starting a little later today. And today I have a special guest from the world of entertainment, from the world of business. But this is the first one of these that we've had. I don't know how, but there's a little bit for everybody. So I've been talking to this guest already. Seems like a cool, cool guy. And I like talking to him. It's easy. And you're going to understand why. I'm going to bring out Kip Sherry, the magician from Kip Sherry Magic and Marketing. Kip, how are you doing? Doing great, Rusty. How are you doing? Can't complain. It's a Tuesday. It's and you're up early. This is the best. This is my time of the morning that I like. I've been up since five. So getting people to do early shows, especially someone from, uh, you know, two hours behind me is great. So, I mean, if I could, I mean, I can do shows at five or six in the morning with people on the West Coast that are, you know, coming home from the bar and are <laughs> just wasted and like, oh, well, I'm still awake then. And so can do shows then, but this is, this is awesome. So I'm happy to have you here. I, um, yeah. So yeah, I, I saw what you're doing and I was like, okay, yeah, this guy, yeah, I want to have him on because it's something different. And something that i've totally been interested in it and i wanted to i guess first ask so i mean there's always the question of how'd you get into being a magician and i guess to kind of switch that question a little bit was what was it that first got you i guess first got you into magic not like what what was the reason you got into magic but what was the first thing that you kind of saw where you thought hey this this could be something i could do because i think what i saw was that you were from earlier you were you were doing it pretty young and so yeah. i mean there's probably something you saw but and then you were doing it and then when was it that you were thinking i can I, this could be my job was that, I mean, was that right away? Uh, no, it, it actually took a, a while to make it be my job. It's uh, just to kind of spill some of the beans. I'm now 65 and it's only been my full-time job for the last 19 years. Uh, I've had many other careers along the way. Uh, probably the first major when my dad owned a cabinet shop and I was his uh, finisher. So I did the stain and lacquer finishes on custom cabinetry. And then as I decided to break out from under my dad's wing, I, I broke into broadcasting and I started with radio and did some television and did that for a while. And where, where was that? That was in Idaho Falls, Idaho. And I got moved down into Twin Falls, Idaho. And that's where I met my okay. wife and started a family. And I said, you know, this broadcasting, to move up, you move on. And so about every year, a half, two years, you'd, you'd move to a new location. Some people were seeking bigger markets. And so you'd move off there or, you know, better pay or something. Uh, but you'd move on about every two years. And I, I didn't want to have that lifestyle for my daughter. So I was looking for something a little more simpler. Uh Back then, in, in the 80s, Commodore Computer had just come out with this new computer called an Amiga 2000. And, sure. oh, it was it was dynamite. I, I love computers. I had a Commodore 64. I got this Amiga 2000, and I was able to do ray-traced animations. And people were like, okay, don't know what that is. And I'm out. I, I decided to develop this whole business in Twin Falls, Idaho, called Living Logos. And the idea was, you know, being in broadcasting, radio had jingle packages, so you could get 
a custom jingle made for your business and they'd sing in music bed sing out something like that and you could buy these custom packages television not so much so i thought wouldn't it be cool if i could take a company's logo extrude it out into 3d make it fly around and they could use this as their intro to their television commercial wonderful idea living logos you know instead of the logo just sitting there plain it's animated nobody got it basically i had the right idea i was in the wrong market had i been in la yeah had i been in la that probably would have flown uh shortly after i'd done that oh i don't know five years or so uh, a movie comes out called toy story all of a sudden, people got it. They understood what ray-traced animation was because that's that's how Toy Story was developed on Amiga computers with ray-traced animations. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so okay, all of a sudden, people get it. Now, now they get it, but I've already closed up the business and I've decided to go elsewhere. So moved to Boise, Idaho to go to Boise State University and finish up a oh, degree. Okay. I, I like the computers and I went into study computer sciences and got out and got a job programming computers for the state of Idaho Department of Correction. Did that for about 10 years, built myself up a nice little pension and whatnot, but uh, got out of that and went into entertainment industry. Took my longtime passion that I'd had since I was five years old and part-time weekend warrior kind of work and finally decided to turn it into a full-time business. And that's what I've been doing, doing the last 19 years. So you, you, get, you, you my retired, retired then you retired then when you got um do it done with working with the Department of Corrections. That was where you were retired? No, no. Or, uh, quote unquote retired. No, no. I just uh, decided to change careers. Uh so I was I was still actively working, pushing hard, not not looking to retire at all. Matter of fact, retirement just happened this last year because I turned 65, oh. my pension, I have, I had to start drawing from my pension, boo-hoo, you know, but <laughs> won't be drawn from Social Security for another two and a half years or thereabouts. So uh, I'm not retired. I'm still working very hard, but I have to have all these retirement type plans. I have to keep planning them and working them and, and making sure that I'm on top of it, because I'm right up there at that point where society wants to kick me to the curb and I'm not ready to go to the curb yet, but I have to think about yeah. that stuff. So then what was, I mean, what were you doing with magic? I mean, what, what kind of places were you performing in? I mean, was this, was this private events? Was this colleges? Was it, um, you know, Madison Square Garden? Was it? Uh... <laughs> well, I'll, I'll back up a little bit. You, you'd asked sure. the question earlier, how did I get started? Uh, what yeah. what was my inspiration? So within all this stuff, when I was five years old, uh, my father and his job, we got moved to Simi Valley, California, and we lived there for about three years. And I was preschool, first and second grade living in okay. Simi Valley, California. And there was a magician who had a TV show. His name was Chuck Jones, Chuck Jones, the magic man. Oh, uh, okay. And I would watch that on Saturday mornings. I was just floored by this guy. Uh, I didn't understand most of what he was doing. He had these big props that I'd never seen before, but, you know, like cutting a girl in half. So you'd have to have this big box you'd put a girl in. And, but I'd never seen that anywhere before, but I was enthralled with it. And I just really loved watching it. And one day, I don't know what led me to do this, but I went to the bathroom and I found a Pepto-Bismol bottle. It was about half full. And being in the bathroom, I grabbed a towel. And I wrapped the Pepto-Bismol bottle up in the towel, turned it over and over again as I said every magic word that I could think of. And when I took the towel off, the Pepto-Bismol bottle looked full. <gasps> I thought, oh, my God, I got the magic. <laughs> now, later on, I figured out why the Pepto-Bismol bottle uh, looked full. You know, it was a coating action that it did on the top half of the bottle. But at first, when I first opened the towel, that was like, <gasps> I got the magic. And that lit the bug in me. And I've been doing it since I was five. So, you know, it, it kind of progressed when I was younger. Uh, 
it was mostly just for friends, for family. And then I started doing a few birthday parties. And then as I got a little older, then I'd take it to the bars and I found out it was a really good way to pick up women and get guys to buy me drinks. So it was great for the bars. Sure. <laughs> and then I started selling, actually selling some stuff. I remember the first time a bar bought my show and had me entertain in the bar and I lit my scarves on fire. It, it was a disaster, but uh, I didn't get paid for that gig. They just allowed me to do it. And I was too young to be in the bar at that, that time. But oh, I was doing worth it you know, there. family reunions, selling myself to birthday parties, that kind of stuff. And so over the years, I was holding down all these other jobs that I told you about. And I would just put magic on as like, oh, this is something I do on the weekends. So if a company wanted to hire me for a banquet or a festivity, well, they could do that. And But I'd could only work like a Saturday or a Sunday or late in the evening on a work day and uh, just kind of kept it as a hobby weekend warrior I called myself yeah yeah and then uh, 19 years ago I decided to just get out of the computer programming business and I figured what I was going to do is go be a trade show magician and it worked so out for that me. exactly a trade show magician, you, you go to the big trade shows in Las Vegas, Chicago, uh, Orlando, uh, places where they have five to 10,000 vendors on the floor. I mean, big trade shows, uh, NEC, electronic shows, car shows, that kind of stuff. The, the idea is if you didn't have something to draw people to your booth, people would walk right by you. So I would be the attraction to a booth and I would draw people in. I'd customize my magic so that my magic told the story about my client who was behind me. It was a visual aid to the soft sales pitch. And, I, and I'd get people to stop to watch the magic. They'd hear the soft sales pitch. And then I kind of pre-qualified, you know, who's here just watching the magic? Who's who's really interested in my client's product and those that were interested, we'd invite them in and they'd swipe their cards. And well, back in the early days, they didn't have card swipe. It was still, you know, leave your business card, but uh, that was paying pretty good. But I got into it about two years before the big crash of 2018 or 2008. Uh, oh, okay. 2008 big crunch and, and trade shows and conventions died across the nation. They were just, people were paying the cancellation fees and not even running the event. So it just absolutely died. That forced me into looking for more venues, uh, different things to do. So uh, started doing more birthday parties again. Started doing, I'd go out to the markets and busk. Busking is an art. It can be done with anything. It doesn't have to be magic. It, you, you go by these guys that are playing the guitar and they've got a tip jar out. That's, uh -huh. that's, that's busking. Okay. So I so, would go out and busk my magic. <laughs> where were you doing that? Uh, I, I found the most profitable places were like farmer's markets and stuff like that. So the little pop-up markets on the weekend. And I'd go out and pop up my table and put out my tip jar and invite people to stop by and see the magic. And they'd throw tips in the, in the jar. And I'd pet the biggest part was passing out the business cards. That was, that was where it really paid off uh, the business cards. Cause you never knew who was walking by and seeing you and, and Especially who, at a farmer's who were market. connected with what's that. Especially at a farmer's market. I mean, that that's a great place to go networking. And I mean, were you having to pay for a table fee there? No. To be able to see that's the smart part too. Like you're yeah. you're you're the person on the outside who's getting all the benefits of the people that are getting into the farmers market without having because I mean the fees for those things are astronomical. I mean you're, I mean it's, you're lucky that it's a, a business that it attracts a lot of, you know, people that are going to be paying some money for a lot of stuff. But I mean those things don't come cheap even. I don't know because I've looked into some of those and I've talked to friends. I have friends who do stuff with those and it's never, never seems to be that worth it. But then with 
without having that overhead of automatically losing, you know, a couple hundred bucks right off the right off the top. I mean, you're you're just all in profit. And then you have and you're you're qualifying people with the magic to get them to come back for your product. So I mean, you're you're getting them in the door already. You're 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 able to pick up on what they're what they're into. Um, I mean, you're you're a you know you're you're basically a a carnival barker as as exactly. you know yeah. you know the same sort of thing. And you're you're trying to find the mark that's going to be be there for you and the one that's <laughs> you you know you set up the little parts that are going to be feeding into the big thing that you want to promote and sell, which would be your getting the business card. And I mean, that's, so, I mean, you were looking to kind of see who was going to be, you know, feeding into that. Was that kind of how it went? Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting. You brought up the carnival Barker in that time period when the trade show industry died. One of the things I was looking at doing was also going out and being a performer at County fairs and, uh, chased after that for about five years and uh, didn't get very far with it. I, I spent about five years and a heck of a lot of money, created a special character. I thought would, in my mind, I'm going, this would be perfect because these fairs are like usually 4-H, FFA centered, uh, showing yeah. your animals and all that kind of stuff. And so I created this ranch hand magician called Cletus Bugfester. And Cletus Bugfester had a, a cipher and stick pony now rusty have you ever heard of a cipher and stick pony is that one of the ones with that's uh, like the you know you jump around you like it's got the like a wooden head and then it's like a broom uh, okay right? yeah yeah but have you heard of a cipher and stick pony uh no cipher and i'm picturing someone uh I'm picturing someone, yeah, siphoning gasoline or something. No, 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 not, 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 not siphoning, cipher. Oh, ciphering. Oh, ciphering. Okay, yeah. I'm so sorry. It, it will cipher what you're thinking. Oh, okay. It was a mind so, reading stick mind reading. Okay. <laughs> so how did how were you how are you pitching a mind reading stick pony to? I first off the person that's putting on the fair who I don't know who you would talk to that i'd be in charge of that um and then how Usually are you the fair doing? managers okay so the fair managers so how are you pitching that to the fair managers and then how are you pitching it to or not pitching how are you you know performing that to the convey that to the audience well that was the hard part once i had it i'd spent a lot of money uh creating special props that had never you know i had to make them myself because there was a lot of things that magicians do that a rancher would have no use for. Uh, probably one of the most famous things is the Chinese linking rings. You have big steel rings and you link them up. Well, a, a rancher has no use for that. So I did a linking ring routine, but the rings were made out of barbed wire. Oh. And, you know, a rancher uses barbed wire. So we do that. <laughs> And there's another effect called a uh, a lot of bowl. Uh, basically, it's a bowl that has water in it, and you you pour the water out into a cup, and it's dry. But you set the bowl down and go back to it and pour more water out. And every time you go to the bowl, there's more water. You pour it out, but it refills itself magically. And uh, rancher has no need for anything like that, but a rancher does have need for moonshine. Little whiskey, okay. but, but not for drinking. Uh, you know, it was more for medicinal purposes. So I'd only keep like half a shot in in this jug, half a shot. But uh, because it was for medicinal purposes, if you got really sick, you could actually pour a second shot out of it and it drip dry. And then sometimes you just get thirsty, so you'd pour another shot out of it and <laughs> and. <laughs> It was a running gag throughout the entire show. You keep going to this uh, moonshine jug and keep pouring out one shot at a time and it'd be dry and pour out another one and another one. Well, that was useful. Uh, a lot of magicians would do a magic trick called 
signed bill to lemon. So they'd get somebody from the audience to give them a, a, a dollar bill or a hundred dollar bill and they'd sign their name on it and it'd disappear. And pretty soon it would be found inside a lemon, a real lemon. They'd have to cut it open and here's this signed hundred dollar bill inside of a lemon. But a rancher had no need for lemons, really. Uh, what we did have a need for was chili. So I did that effect and it appeared inside of a sealed can of chili. Oh, okay. So, you know, a lot of modifications to the yeah. thing. And the cypher and stick pony was just sort of a comedy relief. I'd have somebody pick a card, pick a card, don't show it to me. And then I'd have Nellie, the cypher and stick pony, I'd stick it over there and let, let Nellie take a peek and then whisper in my ear what it was, you know, <laughs> <laughs> little comedy relief and i joined some fair associations and tried to market uh cletus bugfester and the cypher and stick pony nelly tried to tried to uh, market that for about five years and i got one fair out of five years where was that fair uh, that fair was in montana just about all the way over to north dakota whoa so, okay miles city Did a bit of a drive Miles said, oh, it was. It was a long drive and uh three-day fair. And yeah. So I, I basically put Cletus Bugfester down and, and stopped going after the fair industry. Well, by then the trade show industry had started coming back. So I went back into the trade shows. Another interesting character I invented. Uh I was getting a lot of people that would call me up fundraisers, nonprofit organizations. Hey, we got a big fundraising event. Would you would you donate a magic show and we can sell it on, on the auction block? And I'm like, well, okay. So I tried that a couple of times and they'd sell it for way under what it should have been sold for. And then I'd have to go out and do this show for free. So I'm going, okay, we're both coming up on the short end of the stick on this. So I didn't want to do that anymore. And then I started just turning them down saying, no, no, I'm not going to do that. But I had so many calls. I'm going, man, there's so many people that want something like this. There's got to be a way to corner the market. So I created a character, and this is now a, a uh, copyrighted name. And so with is this with magicians? I know with clowns, it, you, there's like a, it might be a little different, but you like there can only be one of the, the name. Like you have to really be in is that something with magicians as well it's not really um, with wrestlers there's not uh, really a thing but there's a lot well, of wrestlers with the same name i mean there there is a little bit of respect going on there you know but my name naturally is kip sherry and there's not a lot of kips so that in itself works pretty good but when i came up with this character for the nonprofits, i called him the charitable cheat that i went ahead and copyrighted i i actually own a not a copyright, but a trademark. I've trademarked that name, the charitable cheat. And the basic idea of a charitable cheat now is when these nonprofits call, I say, no, I don't have anything to donate, but I could sell you this charitable cheat. And what the charitable cheat does is he comes and he cheats people out of their money and everything he cheats them out of goes to your nonprofit. So I provide entertainment and another source of income. And the charitable cheat plays the kind of, they're gambling games, but they're not the kind you'd find in the casino. You have to go out of the casino, out into the alleyway. And those shysters out there, the kind of games they're playing, you know, like the pee and yep. shell and, you know, that kind of stuff. That's yeah. what the charitable cheat plays is a bunch of those and bar bets and stuff like that. And that took off pretty well. That's been going really, really well. And so you're you're kind of the, the shitty heel, but then like you're and in, in reality is what you're doing is you're you're really I mean, it's great, great for you, but then it's great for the uh, the charitable organization. It makes them look, you know, you're you're really putting them over, making them look awesome yeah. by being the the charitable cheat. And uh, I like that. That's cool. That's that's a good way to do that. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, the people are already there. They're they're at a a fundraising benefit. They know they're going there as a philanthropist to donate a lot of money, and so. Yeah. This just gives them kind of a fun. What makes it fun is most people are not familiar with the games that I'm playing. That you know, even better. 
Yeah. Even... So, so they'll sit around, they'll play the game just to learn how in the world the game is done. And, you know, that's, they'll, they'll have fun with it. And then about the time they start getting a little bored with it, I'll switch the game on them, you know, and I'll, I'll go to another yeah. game. I'll show okay. you, I'll show you a simple one here that I do. This one's kind of fun. Let me, let me get some cards out here. It's played sure. with playing cards and, and I'll bet right off the top here, Rusty, I will be willing to bet you, you have never seen this game before. I'll, I'll take that bet. I'll take that bet. Well, see, I'm I a charitable that. cheat and I'm going to cheat you out of your money, you know? Okay. <laughs> so how much are you betting, Rusty? Oh man, let, let's go with the uh, let's go with a thousand bucks. There you go. Okay, here's the way this game is played. Look here, I have five black cards. See that? Okay. Yeah. All right. And yeah, I have yeah. here two red cards. Now the all idea right. on this game is to get three black cards. You have to get three black cards to win. If you get a red card, you lose. Okay, so this is so, like that that game uh, almost on the Price is Right. There's a game on the Price is Right where you pick the balls out of the um, out of like a little a bag, and you you can't pull out the three strikes. But then if you get like the number yeah. of them, then you, okay. But look, I'm a, I'm a charitable cheat. Okay, so remember, I I've got the odds in your favor. See, initially it's five to two. Five to two that you're going to get a black one. So let's say you get a black one. Now it's four to two for your next draw, okay? Or two to one, okay? So you get another black one. Now the odds aren't quite as good as when you started, but still it's three to two in your favor to win. You get another black card, you've won the game, and finally the odds are 50-50, which aren't bad odds. But you, the odds have been in your favor the whole time ahead of time, right? So right. here's the deal. We'll, we'll take these cards and we'll start mixing them up. Now, I'm going to do this in a way that you can't see. Normally, I hold this down with the cards facing the ground and I fan them out and I ask people, okay, here, Rusty, I'm going to run my fingers across this and for $1,000, you need to get three black cards before you get a red card. Now, I'm going to run my fingers across here and you just tell me where you want me to stop. This card? All right. Let's 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 stop right there. Right there? Yep, right there. Oh, Rusty, you just lost a thousand dollars. And look, look, I'm being fair because see, there's only one other red card in there. Now, I don't know. The odds were way against you there, Rusty. Oh, you... You could have had uh, one. Did I lose you? No. Did I lose you? No. I I pumped something, bumped something on my uh, laptop, and it and it uh, brought up another program and took this one down. But I'm up. Okay. So Rusty, you're down one thousand dollars. I'm going to mix these up again. I'm doubling down here. I'm going to get my money back. That that's a good thing to do. Double down on this. Okay. And then you get a chance to make your money back because you've lost a thousand. You bet 2000, you win this time, you break even. But if you really want to make some money, you may want to more than double down because a double down just breaks you even. Would you like to maybe go 3,000? So let's go 5,000. 5, 5,000. I'm, okay. I'm here to win. I'm here to go, go and here take this money from a charity. I don't okay, want Rusty. to get any money. Go ahead. Tell, tell me where to stop. There? All right. There? Let's stop. Right there? Stop there. Yep, right there. All right. Oh, all right. Looking One good for me card. here. Now you need you need three of those. So let's do this again. All right. You got one. All right, let's there. go there. There? Yep, let's go there. There? Yep. <laughs> Rusty. Um, oh, no, six, and, six and grand there's now. There's only one more red card in there. Okay. So now you, you've donated, and our group thanks you very much for donating $6,000 here today so far. Would you care to try to win your money back, or would you like to move on to another game? I think I don't think I'm doing too well. I might need to go for another game. <laughs> so that's the way like the charitable it. cheat works. And it's kind of fun, like I said, because people 
they've not seen these things. They they don't know what the games are all about. They've never played them. So it's it's a little fun. I've only had one lady ever get really upset with me. Oh, how'd that go? Well, she stormed off, you know, but but well, she, did, oh, she go ahead. Says, what where the hell is the fun in losing? <laughs> I tried to tell her, you're not losing, you're donating to the charity. <laughs> well, I don't so what, find this fun at all. <laughs> she walked off. <laughs> I mean, what what happened then after she left? Uh, more people coming in and played. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, yeah. So, and did you get to reference her at all anymore the rest of that night? Yep. I didn't didn't run into her at all. But you no, see you how get to reference that her. was. Tell me, Rusty, sure. was that fun? That was fun. That's a good way to to donate six grand more than writing a check. And that took us like two minutes, and I wrote I, I raised six thousand dollars for the folks. You know, right. Uh, so I, I, I charge yeah. I charge them eight hundred dollars to show up and do this. Okay, so That's just with you, they you you paid my fee, and they still ended up with four thousand two or no five thousand two hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. and then then you're going to do that more than once, I assume. And so, oh I yes, mean, and and I've got dozens of games, uh, simple bar bets. Uh, you know, I, I use the bar bets when they're running low on their money and they don't have enough to really give big anymore, and. Yeah then I use the bar bets to steal their last few dollars. <laughs> but I, I tell them, look, these are, these are all right. I mean, not only did you lose the money, but you, you'll get a chance to make this back up because now you know how the bar bet works and you can take this to the bar and get free drinks now, you know, using this bar bet. So you'll make that money back. Don't feel so bad. <laughs> I like that a lot. So, so that's... Did... That, Go ahead. That, that, that's what I do for nonprofits. Uh, but others, you know, it's just it's entertainment. I do. I specialize in strolling magic and what's called what's strolling, magic? strolling is close up magic. And I'll go into like, like this last weekend. I went up to Sun Valley, Idaho. St. Luke's had a bunch of doctors up there for a conference. And last night of the deal, I went in and they were having a dinner and a hosted bar. And I go in and I move from table to table and show a few magic tricks. And that's strolling magic. So the type of stuff I might do there would be like this. You know, I've got these two scarves here. And I can do this. This works really well on stage or close-up. But close-up's really nice because they can actually see what's happening, you know, right under their nose. And so I take this red scarf and I poke it inside the white scarf. And then ask them for some magic words. A little pun on this is hocus pocus because I'm poking it. Hocus pocus is the best magic word. So you say hocus pocus, and then just like that, the uh, red scarf is gone. Not in either hand, not in the scarf. And they wonder, well, where in the heck is it? You go, would you be amazed if I could get it out of my mouth? They go, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't say I could. I was just wondering if that would amaze you. But let me do what I can. Watch carefully. I like it. I like it? I like it. So that's like strolling magic. And uh, I do that kind of stuff. And then the other, so there's like three different styles kind of a busk of, of uh, magic. There's close up. And then there's the large stage illusion stuff that you'd see David Copperfield do or something like that. And then in between, there's this thing called parlor magic, and it's designed like a stage show, but it doesn't need a big stage with full lighting, curtains, all that kind of stuff. So you can entertain audiences of 50 to 80 people with a parlor show, but you wouldn't be able to do, you wouldn't be able to do 500 that would require cameras and projected screens and that kind of stuff if you want to do a parlor show for that size of an audience. So it's sort of it's sort of progressive. The close-up, you get two to three people in a group and do magic for them. Parlor, you can do up to about 50 people. And then stage, which would be 500 or thousands of people watching at a time. And those are kind of the three general categories of magic. And I work within the first two, close up and parlor. So 
what is it about those two that I mean that really appeal to you then? I mean, what what is it that as opposed to is it just because you you like being up closer to people? I mean, or I mean, yeah, is it yeah. and is it harder? I mean, like I find it harder to do a performance in front of 20 like you know crowds where it's like more people that are in the in the locker room like doing one of those shows and having everyone kind of being like you gotta be on them or as opposed to doing a show at a big place where you got thousands of people and it you it's just it's not doesn't seem like as intimidating as having those people right there but you're making more of a connection you really with the big crowd you're not don't need to make as much of a personal connection you, everyone and most of the people that are there are there because they are there specifically for that they it's like going to a comedy club and you got people as opposed to being at a bar and you got you have people that are playing video poker while you're trying to tell jokes <laughs> as opposed to being at a comedy club where everyone is there and they're trained to laugh yeah and so, so you're, yeah, I, you're I, really I, up there you're, it's more difficult i i think you hit it when when you're on stage doing the big stage you're under the hot spotlight so this would be equivalent to like a large band if you went to see foreigner or you know some some big rock and roll right. band or big country band and you're sit the lights are shining on you and you're looking out into the darkness you don't yeah. even and let unless people are waving their in the old days it was big lighters nowadays they wave their phone with their flashlight app uh you know otherwise yeah. you don't really see much of what's going on maybe a few of the girls right up on the front row or something but you don't see the audience and so you're just doing a performance yeah. And you're hoping the connection comes with them being familiar with the songs that you're doing or the performance that you're doing. But I'm a storytelling magician. So when I can get up close and I can interact with the audience, that's that's what I thrive on. And I mean, storytelling is the big part of it, too. I mean, with anything, anything you're selling, I mean, when you're doing marketing and sell, sales and you can't market or sell stuff really without telling a story of some sort and the story of how to get them in and like by the time you tell the story they're they're in there you already qualified yeah. them you got you have them I, you have them right where you want you have them eaten on your hand and they're they're there ready to follow your your journey that you're leading them along on and, well, you know, you, you, yeah. you talked about the marketing, and that, that's another part of this. We, we call it show business. Uh, what we've been talking about so far has been the show part. Uh, we haven't talked hardly at all about the business part. Yep, if you're going to be successful and live, you know, make a living at it, you, you've got to have the business part nailed as much as the show part. So, yep. I mean, that's the marketing. That's learning how to use QuickBooks and keep your books up, and you know, oh, so hard. the IRS doesn't come chase you down and throw you into federal prison. You know, and yeah, yeah. There's yeah, so there's all this marketing. There's this social media. There's this networking. There's all this stuff you have to do, and you really have to understand how a business runs. You have to realize how much I can spend, how much I should put back into the business itself to help the business grow versus taking out as a payroll. Everything I earn isn't mine. You know, it has to go into the business. Yeah. And so, yeah. It's, so, uh, oh, I was going to say, so what, what are you, what's kind of your marketing style? Um, I, I like, because I mean, now, like within the last few years, you have people that, you know, got got big on TikTok or or something of that nature, and then it's just—I mean, you got people knocking knocking at your door with that. But I mean, with—I mean, so is it like you're—I don't know. Do you have like a a certain outline that you go for, and you're you're yep, because then you have to go and find these different places to market to to get them to book you and then 
yeah, keeping that relationship going. And there's, yeah, there's a lot more to it than just showing up and, right, you know, doing your hour or whatever. It's, it's not just nearly as easy as that. It's yeah, no, a lot more of that coming up. Yeah. Promo, promo pictures or videos or what, whatever you may have. I'd, I'd say the most important part. Now, you remember, I, I did spend about 10 years as a computer programmer. And this was on the cusp of the internet coming out. Uh -huh. And so I, I knew how to program and make my own web pages. And as Google and whatnot started changing their algorithms, I started learning what it takes to do SEO, search engine optimization. And so I was able to do that for myself. And I found that you know, if people go in and they look for a Boise magician, if, if the search criteria is Boise magician or Idaho magician, I'm in the top three uh, every yeah. time. Yeah, I, I get calls. Um, I had an office outside of Portland. Um, and I get people calling me all the time still like, oh, hey, do you, can I come get hypnotized? I'm like, well, I only do I'm I'm only online now. I was like, well, oh, it says you're here in Gresham. I'm like, no, that's been been like four or five years. So, but yeah, I mean, it's same sort of thing. It's just if you get that right search engine optimization there, and that's big. Yeah. That's a lot bigger. And I mean, and yeah, you have to have was, yeah. Way, way back, I was using Facebook a lot, uh -huh. um, but that got to be such a cesspool. I found that the clientele, because I'm a corporate magician, really. Uh, LinkedIn seems to be a better social media outlet for me. And then uh, things like the Chamber of Commerce and local business networking groups, uh, uh, BNI, Business Networking International, and various other things along that type where it's business owners getting together once a week and trying to create leads back and forth for each other. I attend an awful lot of those in the community. And then word of mouth. Uh, in the last, oh, gads, probably seven years, what really went to bang was Google started this thing called Google Maps and then Google My Business. And, and now with they've that, merged. Yeah. And so with that, I asked people to, if they'd leave me a Google review. So I'm getting like, yeah, a, I've got one bad Google review. Some gal got on there and went boring, one star. Yeah. And I'm like, she never hired me. I don't know where she came from. The Google yeah. won't take it down, but it gives me a 4.9. So it's not a perfect 5.0 and people can now believe but, it. Yeah. <laughs> if, if they had, a, if they saw a 5.0, they would be questioning a bit. Yeah. And yeah, on my last podcast, I was talking with my friend Amanda, and we were talking about Google reviews and, you know, how, you know, just, you know, when you're looking at them, like the people who are leaving negative reviews, but you got people leaving positive reviews. It's a whole different ballgame. Um, I mean, like, if you're going into a restaurant, how many times have people left reviews? This place is terrible, but when do you ever see the positive review? And I mean, I've worked a lot of those kind of jobs in the past. And I mean, just, I don't know. I couldn't, it's, it's weird not having like, oh, you're getting called into the manager's office. Like, oh, the manager's going to be yelling at me. But, <laughs> you know, now you got, oh, the manager, someone said gave a good review. Like, here's, I don't know, whatever they give you, probably like a gift card or something, right. $20 gift card uh, at yeah, one of their friends' places or or something of that. But um, yeah, I mean, like the Google reviews are are strong. It's, it's a big thing. And uh, yeah, I mean, so do you, uh, do you tell them then? Do you tell them like to search you on there or do you have a, like a, you know, a QR code or something they scan to go right to it or what's? Well, no, typically what I do is uh, I get a lot of jobs because of Google reviews because they go to Google and they, they do this and, and I'm one of the top three that pops up and out of those, 
uh, I've got like 60 reviews and a 4.9 average rating. All of them are fives except for this one gal that put a one in there. And I think the next closest to me has 20 Google reviews. And then another one has six. Yeah, These are the top yeah. three, okay? And uh, so people will look at it and they'll say, well, we like the look of your website. That looked really professional. And all your reviews sounded really great. And so we decided to go with you. So after I do the show, they they tell me it's really nice. Maybe sometimes they'll tip me. Maybe sometimes they won't. But I always ask, would you be willing to give me a Google review? And so Google My Business has a nice little place you can go into. And you can ask for a review. And it pops up a little URL. So I'll just send a follow-up email and say, thank you for having me at your party. I really enjoyed it. Would you mind giving me a Google review? Just click on this link and it'll take you right there. And so all they got to do is click on there, put how many stars they want and say whatever they want. And it makes it real easy and painless for them. And that's where I get an awful lot of them. I just, I ask, if you don't, if you don't ask, you don't yep. get. Yeah, I, I had that for sure. Uh, with I had a shop in Salt Lake City and I, I had to ask people for it. And yeah, if you don't ask, no one's going to just, there's going to be very few people. Or if you do, you might have some people who go right for the negative. Did you, so this mm -hmm. woman who left you the negative review, did you look at her other posts that she had? Because that's the first thing that, that I would do. Like yeah. I would, I'd want to know. So is, is she just like, totally just bashing everybody that she comes it was her, it was her one and only ever review yeah that seemed that seems pretty fishy so, so i mean that would be something some people yeah. are searching when they're looking at that too yeah i you know i thought maybe it was like uh you know some people like getting on the internet and just creating havoc that's why i got off of facebook yep. people just like to go on and no matter what you say, they'll take the contrary opinion and post that just to start a fight and see, and they get a thrill out of seeing how many people they can draw into the fight. Yep. Yep. That's I, Facebook. That's yeah, Facebook. That's Facebook, you know, and that's, that's why I got off of that, but uh, not, yeah. uh, it's, it's interesting because like you say, most people, I think our, our inner nature if we're going to give a review, most people don't even think about that unless something bad happened. You had a bad experience and you just want to air that grievance. Yeah. And Google and gives you a good place to air that grievance. And we don't think of giving a review if it was good because we kind of expect that. But if it's right. bad, we need to air that. And that's what Google reviews get used for a lot. And so unless yeah. you ask somebody, a happy customer to leave a review, yeah, you'll just get filled up with negatives. Yeah. And so with that, I mean, you got people that are just like, I don't know, like, as you get people that I don't get off on it, just having, being able to leave the negative review. But if I had a business, well, I mean, I do have a business, but uh, I've, yeah. But anyway, I, so like, I, I would see who that was. And like a lot of those times, the same people come back. And, you know, after they've left a, a message like that, and I don't know if the next time I would be trying harder, if I would notice them, I'd be like, oh, hey, that's, that's Steve. He left a review saying this place sucks, well, you know, but then here he is. He comes in every Tuesday to come get a, a chicken sandwich and, and onion rings. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I might not be giving him the best services next time. If he already left a review, he probably won't leave another one. And so... Yeah, I, it's, I don't it, know. because It's like, a sword yeah. that has a sharp edge on both sides. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, if I, like I tell people to leave positive reviews for people, go, go tell the manager. And like a lot of people, if they have a bad experience, they won't even tell the manager. If they do, it's the going absolutely nuts and entitled kind of a, kind of a deal but it's it doesn't doesn't seem to be just yeah here here's the problem let's let's fix this it's just ah nope i did i didn't get this and so i mean what what you're doing is smart and then you got i mean who's gonna get mad at you for what you're doing 
I I actually had I've had people get mad at me uh, when COVID first came around. Uh, people were canceling things left and right. Are you and talking canceling stuff like like public gatherings? You know. Oh, okay, okay. Not like canceling people, like canceling people, like because they no. said something. Okay. No, no, they, they they were canceling public events. So I got hired for a birthday party, and this gal wanted COVID came. And so she had to cancel the birthday party. They weren't going to have all the guests over and she wanted her money back. And I said, well, I can't give you that because the deposits are non-refundable. That's clearly stated there. But yeah. what I will do is I will hold this deposit and you won't lose it. I understand why the date isn't happening and I'll keep that deposit on hand. And when this whole thing passes, We'll do the next birthday party, and you won't have to make a deposit. It will already be already be made for you. And she didn't like that arrangement. That's uh, something that she accepted she wanted, the terms to. Yeah, she she wanted her money back, and that was all she'd be satisfied with. And so eventually, she finally came around and, and hired me, and I went and I did the party, and she loved it. But at the <laughs> time when I wouldn't just re refund her non-refundable deposit she wasn't happy at all <laughs> so she, yeah she didn't realize that and then she didn't realize she was in the wrong i mean it wasn't it wasn't your you holding the money for ransom it was something that she clearly saw stated and accepted those terms by giving you that deposit right so but you know covid was strange covid it, it yeah. caught one of, one of the funny things I did, okay, I told you I'd do the busking at the farmer's market. Sure. Yeah. So here in Boise, one of the favorite places is 8th Street. They called it the 8th Street Market. And I'd go busk on this one corner of, and do great. I mean, hundreds of people would show up there on Saturday morning. Hundreds. I mean, probably close to a thousand people would come up and down through this market. And they did the COVID shutdown and shut down all the businesses. And so the 8th Street Market shut down. Everything shut down. And they shut down the bars. They shut down the restaurants. The mayor here in this town just basically shut everything down. So I had this great idea. And I, I grabbed my wife and I said, come on, come on, bring the camera. We're going to go down to the busking where, where I normally busk. And I set up my table. I set out the chip jar. I put on my rubber gloves because that's what you were supposed to wear in COVID. And I put a mask on and I had my magic hat on and I'm sitting in a chair playing with a deck of cards, just bored to the gourd. And then she does this pan for me. She goes 360 degrees. She looks at all four streets. There's not a person. There's not a car, nothing. 360 degrees comes back around to me and then zooms down onto my chip jar which is totally empty and that was my airing of grievance to what the mayor had done to COVID because you know it wasn't just my business that was having a hard time everything I had many friends who were in businesses bars restaurants and other businesses that went belly up COVID it yeah. wasn't just people dying it was businesses dying <laughs> terrible yeah. scary yeah I was it was tough uh, for a lot of people and I, yeah, a lot of people just got yeah so I put, out a little bit of, I put out a little comedy relief on uh on satire comedy on covid <laughs> <laughs> just yeah you never know yeah. you never know yeah. what happens you gotta yeah. roll with the punches uh, i i was in so when it hit i was in minneapolis and then uh couple or see that would have been march and so then I think in April, then moved down to Southern Minnesota and there was hardly any restrictions. And I, Iowa didn't have anything, nothing shut down ever. Everything oh. was business as usual the whole time. So cool. yeah, Iowa was pretty all right. And so, yeah, I mean, what I, I was doing, I was doing a lot of reselling because around that time that got really big. People were just you know, a lot, a lot of people were getting checks for being laid off and that stuff just was 
crazy right then. And um, and then doing online stuff. Because, I mean, it, it was questionable after, was when I moved to Minnesota, I was thinking, I, like, I was looking at office space. And office space was really expensive. And I was working with some clients who didn't like leaving their house. They had, um, you know, it was one of those things. Um, you know, I, it's called uh, well, agoraphobia, like where you don't, you're afraid to leave your house. And so I was working with people with that and I was like, well, you just do it online. I was like, well, I'll just start doing this all online. But then it took a while for people to be like, ah, that's, is it, it still is effective. And like, it's still just effective. I can talk to you on the phone. I can write you a letter and it's just as effective as being right next to you and yeah i mean then yeah and then people started doing you, these Zoom calls were you doing hypnotism at this point yeah how, yeah how do you hypnotize somebody with a letter same way i mean they're reading it it's it's okay. all i mean it's just like self-hypnosis basically at that point and wow. yeah i mean uh you believe it if your subconscious believes it, it's gonna happen so you say it enough times you're you're in good shape. You're in good shape, and it's. I never would have thought that. That's that's I, amazing. Yeah. I I was I was very skeptical of hypnosis before I started. I was I thought it was all just. I don't know. I thought it was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I thought it was complete, hooey, and uh, I found out it was very far from it. So yeah, and yeah, it's so it's um. Oh but yeah, it, it turned out all right, and you know, found out what I I like doing there with that part, and and it wasn't, it wasn't that uh, working with people who didn't want to leave the house anymore. So there you go. But yeah, um, so let's see. So if people want to find you, how are they going to find you besides following you along the streets of Boise? <laughs> <laughs> well, you can go to Google and just uh, Google Idaho magician. <laughs> there you go there the top rated one right there is who's going to be popping up it's going to yeah. be kip sherry my because i'm a corporate magician my website is corpmagician.com easy to remember i like that yeah kind of easy to remember short not a long-winded url but, no uh, <laughs> yeah yeah, and I actually, I actually, even though I'm based here in Idaho, I do a lot of stuff in Idaho, but I, I perform all over because of the trade shows. You know, mentioned that earlier. I go to the big conventions, so I'm down to Las Vegas. I'm in Chicago. I'm in, uh, I'm, I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm down in New Orleans, and I'm uh, down in Florida, and, and and the big convention centers. Here we have we have trade shows in Boise, but they're they're more like county fair flea swaps or something like that you know uh, yeah. not big enough to really utilize my services here uh, i really people utilize me if it's big enough that they can be lost in the shuffle here the venues are so small you know people can walk all the way through the trade show four or five times in a day but uh oh. the bigger the bigger ones if you had you go to a three-day convention and all you did was spend time on the on the floor, you'd have three minutes with every every station, you know, over the three days. And you're not going to spend all your time on the floor. So you go to a conference, you go hear a speaker or something, and then you get a little time to go on the floor. And you're usually on this dead run destination. You've got a few businesses you want to go see. And so you're beelining it over there. And they'll run right past 15, 20, 30 booths trying to get to where they want to go. Those are the people I'm trying to stop. Hey, yeah. don't be in such a hurry. Check this out. <laughs> Have some fun. Hear what my guy has to say, you know? And then, so, yeah, and then they see you and they're stopping. Yeah. I mean, you're you're definitely putting on on the brakes. I mean, like, and being able to do that in a place like that where where people are beelining right to the place, that's that's telling you something right there. I mean, because a lot of the people that are going to those shows, they're very, very, very into whatever they're seeing. They're, uh, they, I mean, they that's, usually that's, by industry. 
So they're in the industry and they're there for a reason. They're in that industry. They want to be on top of that industry. They want to see the latest, the greatest in that industry. So yeah, you just have to get them to stop and then make yeah. sure you have something, you know, otherwise you get people like, uh, oh, some of the big monster, monster energy drinks. You'll see them sometimes at places and they'll take up a full block, you know, that normally would hold 20, 30 businesses. They'll, they'll buy that whole block and they'll be getting people in from all four sides and giving away big plush dolls and stuff like that. And just, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars worth of swag that's just thrown out there. And people like going to those, you know, now you got this little booth here that's uh, 10 feet wide, (laughs) little simple printing banner on the back and no real swag to give away. Why are they going to stop there? You got to give them a reason. (laughs) Yeah, the experience. And that's what a lot of people want now is the experience. They're paying more for the experience than anything else of what it is. And you are an experience. And so you guys buy the experience, hire Kip, go to corpmagician.com. I even nailed that one. Hey. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for being on. And uh, I will get this up today. I'll tag you in a LinkedIn post so you can do whatever you want with it. You can chop this up, take little parts of it. I don't care. Have fun with it. And yeah, thank you very much for being on and appreciate you having me here, Rusty. Absolutely. And that is the show, man.